What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and like everybody in the building, supposed to be on vacation. But no, I'm coming to you live tonight from the crib, I think, I believe, wherever I am. I'm in some dark cave somewhere, so I'm assuming that it is my house, and I'm glad you are here with me. Now, because this is a week in which pretty much everybody's out of the building, there's not much going on in Texans land, just Texans specifically. Now, there is obviously stuff always happening with the NFL, but we've always thought with this week that Mark affectionately labels the desert that we could get caught back up on some things we thought were pretty good content. So tonight, we are jam-packed with some stuff. We're going to kick it off with something very cool. I'll explain that in a second. But we also are going to have a deep slant with Pharaoh Brown, who is one of the more interesting stories the Texans have had here in a while. And when healthy, could be a whale of a player. And in the final segment, we'll do a little Brandon Cook stopping by the show uh, to give his thoughts uh, in a little deep slant as well. But to kick off the show, it's a little something if you missed it. Man, you missed out on something that was pretty fun. However, you get caught up with it. And even if you heard it, well, I don't know, months ago, you get a chance to hear it. And it is our In the Lab Ultimate Draft. Drew Doherty and myself, we make up the In the Lab podcast. And we were coming up with an idea, ideas. And this one popped up. I think Drew came up with it and said, look, what about if we did a draft in which we picked one player per 32 teams to fill out an entire roster. And I thought, I love the idea. I love the idea. Let's do it. And then, as I start getting ready for it, because full disclosure, when we do a lot of these things, I'm just riffing off the top of my head because a lot of this stuff just is stored in there. I just got to figure out which cabinet it's in. But this one, I'm like, man, I better prepare for this one a little bit. And as I did, I was like, wow, there are are a lot of different ways to approach this. This could be really interesting. But, man, I'll tell you this. As I started looking at the teams, and then I started thinking about priority positions, man, I knew right away I had to have a particular team and a particular player right off the bat. Now, some of these teams was pretty tough to like narrow it down some teams it was really easy some teams it was difficult because you would get other positions filled and you're like man I really need this position but they only have this guy so I got to do this guy then I got to reconfigure some of the guys I'm thinking about man it was really interesting kind of a thought process to go through so tonight it is round one of Drew Doherty John Harris the ultimate NFL draft. One player, one team. All right. It's time to draft. Oh, yeah. So to reiterate, okay, we're choosing a team of 32 players. And I know a roster on game day has 46, but yes. we're going with 32, and then you can kind of fill in the back end with whoever. Right. We've got 32 picks. It starts now. You get to go first. Oh, yes. My, th- this one's very easy to me. Go for it. Very easy because it is, to me, a priority position in the league. It's with a team where I struggled to find players. Mm -hmm. Really, what I was going to do, and you give me the first pick, 
To me, it's a drop-dead lock. It's got to be Anthony Munoz, the Cincinnati Bengals, the left yes. tackle. You go with Munoz right off the bat. Yeah. Bengals, good choice. Ooh. Oh, man. All right. I had no idea what I was doing with the Bengals at all, and that just that, that handles it, so I feel good. All right. Yeah. So in that regard, in a similar situation, oof, it's really kind of tricky and really kind of tough. Yeah. But I'm going to go to Atlanta, and I'm going to take Deion Sanders off the board. Ooh, that's a good one. it. That's a good one because I – that's another it, – it, the, the one part of this was the franchise is trying to figure out – That's the like, beauty. Oh, man. Beauty. Okay. You're going the same way I'm going. So. Yeah. To a degree. Now, I also feel like there's a position that is probably more difficult than others. Now, left tackle is easy, but Cincinnati – to me, it was hard. One team that has no issue as far as having plenty of players, but I think they have the greatest player this position, and that's why I'm taking Larry Allen of the Dallas Cowboys at offensive guard. Solid. Yeah. You can see my. You can see how I'm building. I'm building with my lines, and so that's why I'm going with those two. And I'm yeah. staying. Fairly true to my board. Fair, I'm I say go, fairly true. <laughs> fairly true. I'm going to go to the New York Giants, and I'm taking LT, man. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So, so LT's off the board. Oh, man. I think I have the best corner and the best yeah. pass rusher right, right there. And it's tough because those two franchises, I think you're taking steps down after those two guys. Yeah, I, I – well, there's no question. Not to say they're feel, great players, but I think those guys are like yeah. crop. And we should, with our first two picks, we should feel like Anthony Munoz, Larry Allen, two of the best offensive linemen. Two best offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and do it right now because I do think when it comes to our franchise, I'm going to force you into having to make a decision on our franchise. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it and take Justin James Watt from the Houston Texans as one of my defensive linemen, edge rushers, however you want to do it. J.J. Watt is now a Houston Harris. No argument. I, that's who I would have chosen first from the Texans, simply because best player in the uh, league defensively. Yeah. As voted by the, the, uh, the folks for three years, I think you could have made mm -hmm. a case for yeah. um, the 13th season too, even though it was a bad year. Okay. I have like a list – and then I have a list. Mm -hmm. I had a list of just guys that I definitely want on my team no matter yeah. what. Yeah, you did the same way I did. Yep. And then I've got another list each franchise. And so I'm going to go back to my list. And I'm going to go to the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to take the guy that my dad has always maintained mm. is the best yep. football player of all time. Not the best quarterback, but the best football player of all time. Jim Brown. So I'm going to go with uh, him. It's a good one. He was amazing back in the day. Yeah. Retired early. Could have kept going. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was just – he was insane. Back when Sports Century – ESPN did that Sports Century series at the end of the last yeah. century. I think he was fourth maybe on the uh, all-time list. So I'm going to yeah. go with Jim Brown. That's, that's pretty – It makes it tougher on you choosing a Brown. I guess you got to go yeah. with Baker Mayfield now. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to reach way back, but I think I have one 
for the Browns. And since you've taken a Brown, I don't have to worry uh, about you taking a guy like Ozzie Newsom. So I could still get a Hall of Famer at tight end, which I've, I've thought about. But, you know, there are certain positions that I, I look at and go, all right, where do I feel like is the best? And then I thought about 2014, and I'm like, man, what if the Texans had drafted with the number one pick, Aaron Donald? Good choice. For Rams. So I'm going to make it happen. I'm putting a defensive tackle along with J.J. Watt and That's think good. about what could have happened. I'm putting Aaron Donald with J.J. Watt of the Texans. So thus far, I've gone lines. Anthony Munoz left tackle. Larry Allen, Cowboys at guard. And then the great J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald together. So I've got two Hall of Famers and two active players that eventually will make the Hall of Fame. And amongst the two of us in four – we made four picks yet. You haven't made yours yet. So seven picks thus far. Three of them are the three players that have won Defensive Player of the Year three times. That's pretty amazing. Pretty good. Pretty All right, good. I'm going to go back to the well uh, up front. I'm like you. you got to be good up front. And I think we're waiting – we're kind of dancing around the quarterback here. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to dance. I'm not taking a quarterback yet. I'm going to go back to the team that broke my heart so many times as a young lad. Loved them so much. Lots of choices of players you could take. But I'm going to take a guy who you can argue, I don't think he is, but you can argue is the greatest oiler of all time. Ooh. Most people are going to say Earl Campbell, understandably so. I'm going to yeah. go with a guy because I think there's a lot of great running backs that you could cycle in there with Earl. And I might choose him – well, no, I can't because I'm doing this. But I'm going with Bruce Matthews because he yep. can play anywhere. He was pro bowler at all five positions up front. But I'm going to choose him. So it's that – I can't take look. any Titans. I can't take any more Oilers. Yeah. But I'd like to take Earl Campbell. I've pretty much given him to you if you want. <laughs> You know, the thing about running back, I, I, you know, I don't want to lose the opportunity for running backs, but I just feel like there are some options at running back. There sure are. So I, so I, don't, I, don't, feel, uh, I don't feel horrible about that. I'm going to stick with the lines and go back to the offensive line on this one. Okay. Because I watched this guy growing up, and I felt like before he was injured, he was the greatest center that ever lived. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take Dwight Stevenson at center. Good choice. Yeah, his last year in the league was 1987. He was an all-pro, and he'd been all-pro, I think, the previous yeah. four years before that. So Yeah, and that's... so that takes my Dolphin off the board. And, you know, it's interesting because I had a, I mean, I had a bunch of Dolphins that I had written down like that I wanted to, you know, have on my board. And, I was like, and then I wrote Stevenson. I was like, no, I, I've got to get – I've got to get him – because after that, for centers, I mean, look, there are some options. There's no doubt. There's a great one. I don't want to give you any ideas. <laughs> but I felt like with Miami, I wasn't – Marino was not going to be my guy. And then I was like, where else would I go with Miami? And that, 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 that hit me, uh, and I'll go that way. Zach Thomas would have been another guy I'd look at a linebacker just because of how productive he was. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yes. I think, I think it's – There's no question. I think it's an no oversight question. right now that he, he should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. It was really cool. When I was in Lubbock – uh, I was there from 2005 to 2009. 06, 07-ish, uh, during that Dolphins bye week, the, the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce had him back, had Zach Thomas back, and they honored him. And it was a massive turnout. He was there. Jason Taylor was there. A few other Dolphins. I think Wes Welker was back because 
Yeah. I believe it was 06 because he would have been still with the Dolphins. Yes. It was really cool. Cool, uh, cool thing there. Okay. Um, Seattle is a tricky franchise. Yes. Go with Steve Largent, and, and you wouldn't be wrong going there with wide receiver, but I like their left tackle. I want to be good up front. It's and good. I think this – Chester Pitt, so I'm with every Sunday at home when the Texans play a game, and he comes on the shows a couple times in the offseason. He played left guard. He started out as a left tackle, knows how tough it is to play offensive line in the NFL, and he is adamant about Walter Jones being the greatest left yeah. tackle of all time. He says it's not even a debate. And I tried to debate him and, and say Anthony Munoz, he wouldn't have any of it. That's, that's for another time. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor Chester's pick here. This is kind of a, a proxy pick. And I'm going to go with Walter Jones, and I'm going to eliminate my Seahawks choice off the board. So I've Good. got an offensive line of Matthews and Walter Jones so far. Boy, that is – that's pretty good. Now, I'm going to go to a team that I, I felt like – was I felt like very tricky, even though they've been around for 60 some odd years. Well, but I, think I, I know start, where you're going. I started thinking about them going, man, what am I going to do from the Vikings? And I just. You like, have about 31 like availabilities here. They, that was a really tough one. They have so many great, great players. Right. And then I started thinking, all right. Where did they have a great player where I feel like I can kind of continue with my theme in some sense? And I, I'm, I'm literally going one of two ways. But in my heart of hearts, I do feel like because of what I've done with the defensive line, I don't have to go there. So I'm going to go with guard, Hall of Fame guard, and I think one of the better ones ever, Randall McDaniel from the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to put him opposite Larry Allen. I was always a big fan of Randall McDaniel, the Hall of Fame offensive guard. So my offensive line has really has really come come into view. But, I, you know, Drew, I struggled. And I don't know, maybe that's just because I grew up as a Packers fan uh, and just hated the Vikings. But there was one guy I considered. But then I was like – we talked about this earlier – Randy Moss, is he a Viking? Is he a Patriot? Like, what is he? And so I wanted to stay true to the franchise aspect of things, and so I went with McDaniel, who spent his majority, the majority, if not all, of his career uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that my man Tyler Sutarth is like, yeah, forks up, baby, Sun Devil, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know. So he's happy with that. So there we go. All right. Another franchise that's been around a long time and has had a lot of great players, and they won a lot of championships, but they haven't done it since Eisenhower was president, I think, the Detroit Lions. Mm, yeah. Now, I already took a running back. I took Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah oh, boy. Tempted here, but instead, I'm going to go with a wide receiver. You are. Oh. Alvin Johnson. I think he's one of the best Lions of all time. And I don't have a big playmaking pass catcher yet, so I'm going to get – Megatron. I still don't know how we stopped him in the second half in 2000. <laughs> yeah. Because everything he did in the first half was like with ease. And yeah. I thought he was going to have seven touchdowns that day. I mean, he just went to town. So the lines are off the board for me. Yeah. Lines off the board for you. Now off the board for me, Bengals, Cowboys, Dolphins, Vikings, Texans, Rams. 
in doing this exercise, one of the things that you think about are your most recent franchises because those obviously, mathematically, would seemingly have fewer players that you would want to just grasp onto, and that's, that's the guy. Yep. So I got to finish my offensive line. So this one to me was easy because I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And he was actually a Texan for a period. My final pick, and I will move him over to right tackle, and I feel okay with that. No, you got, you got one more. This is seven. One, two. Three. Yeah, I know. Oh. But I'm finishing my offensive line by oh, adding okay. Tony Baselli to my line. My two tackles are from USC. Both of them played in the AFC. <laughs> but I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do with Jacksonville, even though I lived there, and I know they've had some players. I just felt like there wasn't anybody other than – to me, Baselli's the greatest Jaguar there's been. Mm -hmm. I think he should go into the Hall of Fame. It should be in the Hall of Fame. And I feel like he should have gone in with this crew, but he's not. But I wasn't sure exactly where I would go with the Jags. And so I was like, you know what? Vaselli's the best Jaguar there's been. Finishes my offensive line. I feel good about that. Away we go. So now you have to, you have to decide on somebody from Jacksonville. Which oh, I know where I'm going to Jacksonville. It's easy. I, I'm, I'm going to wait. I don't need to do that now. But the Eagles, is a, that's a franchise that's tough. And because uh, they've had a lot of great players, but I think the drop off after this guy is pretty substantial. So I'm going to go with Reggie White from the Eagles, Minister of Defense. So I've got Reggie, I've got Lawrence Taylor. Now that's a weird defense. What are you going to run? You're going to run a three, four, four, three. I don't think it really matters. Who cares? Send any of that. So I'm going with Reggie White. All right. Uh, you can't take him from the Packers, but I didn't think you would. No. And that's who I'm going to go with. Okay. Back your quarterback, bro. Yeah. So I'm going back to the thought of most recent franchises um, because to me, trying to trying to find all time players in some sense from a particular franchise gets pretty difficult, especially after Baselli. I know you probably have one. I I actually have one that I could have gone with that might have been shocking, and I think he actually should be up for the Hall of Fame, but that, I'll leave that for a different time. And when you go to Jacksonville, you actually see him doing uh, the, the Chester Pitts thing with uh, like Chester does with you up on the board. You see him there, uh, but I don't want to give you any ideas, but he's a running back. You've already got a running back. So I'm going to the Carolina Panthers. And so at this point, Please I'm thinking, me. yeah, I met him in 2011 at the Lombardi Awards. Ugh. I thought he was absolutely awesome. I loved him. I'm glad yeah. he ended up in Carolina. He was my nephew's and niece's favorite player. Everybody loves Luke Keekley. I'm adding the smartest defensive player ever. You don't get all – I have Luke Keekley, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt. I feel very good about what I'm doing. Take the Carolina Panthers off the board. And, look, you're, you're not dead in the water with Panthers. But Panthers and Jags, yeah. I know who you could go with the Panthers, and it actually would be a very, very good pick. Because, like you said when we started all this, you've got other jobs on a football team that you've got to get taken care of. And if you can do it with more than a player, or do the, more jobs with one player, then you're going to be sitting pretty. So that was my eighth pick of the day, Luke Keekley from the Carolina Panthers. It's a good one. All right. You got, you got one me. left. You got me. So we're going to just do eight today. I like this. Originally, I said, hey, let's do 16. 
but we can break this up over four and yeah. uh, this is going to be pretty easy to do as far as like setting it up and making it go and, and all that other stuff. But I've got a great right tackle or excuse me, a great left tackle. And I think yes. I'm going to start, start to round out my offensive line. As you know, I went to SMU. Uh, I was Ooh. there yeah. in pretty, pretty lean times, not the leanest SMU times, but they were pretty lean. Texas, uh, they, they had losing seasons. My freshman, junior, and senior years uh, went six and five as a sophomore. Played in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was our home stadium. We never played in a bowl game. But the home stadium back then for the, the SMU Mustangs was the Cotton Bowl. And as you know, the Cotton Bowl seats, what, 70,000, 80,000? Yeah. We would routinely pack 16,000 on a good day. So crawl <laughs> out and kick your legs up. And uh, didn't see too many great players come through. Chris Fumatamafala, Brian Erlocker, I think they were some guys that we saw. Yeah. But one of the greatest SMU Mustangs of all time to play. He came back and was the first coach after the death penalty to kind of get them back on their feet, did an admirable job there. But this guy was a hell of a football player for the Green Bay Packers. He was a right tackle. He's in the Hall of Fame. Many say he's maybe one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. I'm going to go with Forrest Gregg. So I've got Forrest Gregg. I've got Walter Jones over at left tackle. I've got Bruce Matthews, sort of Roman wherever. He's, we're yeah. going to figure out a spot for him in the guard, center guard spot. But I'm going with Forrest Gregg, and I'm going to give you lots of options when we start picking again for the Packers. But to reiterate, your line, you started off with Anthony Munoz of the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Love yes. it. you got Larry Allen from the Cowboys. That was your second pick, offensive lineman. Your third pick with J.J. Watt, the Texans. He's a, he's a versatile guy. He can play end. He can yeah, play, do a lot of things. Play on the inside. We know that. You went with Aaron Donald. Man, you got Watt and Donald, two greatest defensive players of this decade. And then uh, after that, you had Stevenson, Dwight Stevenson, the center, all pro from the Dolphins. Randall McDaniel, all pro guard from the Vikings. You got Tony Baselli of the Jaguars. You took I think he's probably the greatest Jaguar. You took him off the board. And then you wrap things up with probably the greatest Panther. And that was who I was going to pick, Luke Keekley at linebacker. That's a good good unit. You've got a good start there, John. Neither of us have picked a quarterback yet. Yeah. And there's still time for that. I don't want to say that. It's in this exercise, I feel like this was the, that's the most – that's the easiest position to pick. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in that because I feel like I can go a lot of different ways – with that particular pick, there are a couple of franchises I'm struggling with. Oh like, yeah, where do like mm, where do I want to where do I really want to go with this? And so. back to quarterback, there's two franchises. I'll, I'll say three actually that I've looked at that I would really like to choose that quarterback, yeah. but they have perhaps the greatest player at their position. Yeah, at another spot and in. Two cases, they've got two greater, two other players. So I can't yeah. go wrong. Like once one of us chooses one of these players, it's going to make it easier. You know, I think. To, to yeah. Well, I'm out of the Matt Shop business. Tony Banks, um, Brock Osweiler, because I took JJ Watt. So I, you know, but um, you know, with, you didn't say Sage Rosenfels. Yeah, yeah, Sage. Sorry. Um, right, yeah, by taking Larry Allen, I'm out of the Tony Romo, Roger Staubach, Dak Prescott you know, Cowboys, Cowboys business. But I feel like 
when I look at, I mean, no, no quarterback was taken. So I look at my top, I just wrote down my top six. And you can go, I mean, man, you can go however, however far you want to, to be honest with you, because we haven't taken one. So I, that, that to me is the biggest curiosity is how that will unfold. And I, I just got to make sure I don't pin myself into a corner because I just look at a couple of franchises and go, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really, I really don't know. So, so I gave the rundown of yours. Here's yeah, what's my, yours? I went. Deion Sanders from the Falcons, Lawrence Taylor from the Giants. I think I got the greatest cover corner and one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Then I got uh, Jim Brown from the Browns, Bruce Matthews from the Oilers, Walter Jones from the Seahawks, Calvin Johnson from the Lions, Reggie White from the Eagles, and Forrest Gregg from the Packers. All right, that was a pretty awesome night one. We'll have night two and night three to see how we finished up over the next couple of nights, but we had a really good time with that one, no doubt. All right, coming up next, let's go deep slant with Farrell Brown right here on Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Hope you enjoyed the ultimate in the lab draft. That was fun. If you missed it, obviously you can go to the podcast. We'll have more for you the next couple of nights as well. But right now, it's time to go deep slant with DP Sidhu. I love when she does these interviews, especially when she has a subject like Pharaoh Brown. Now, if you don't know the story about Farrah Brown, he was a stud at Oregon, tore up his knee and tore it up pretty badly. And at that point, nobody really was sure what he had left in the tank, if he was going to make it back. When he scored a touchdown against the Browns, uh, because he's from that area and he knew a number of the players in the Browns, uh, and I want to say he had spent time with the Browns as well, they were just ecstatic for him and I thought that was really really cool well the behind the scenes story of it all is that much more compelling so here it is DP Sidhu with Pharaoh Brown let's start with your name I like the name Pharaoh I think that's probably has to have a good story behind it or does it so my dad wanted us all to have like royal names and my mom was reading like a book or watching a movie and I can't remember what the movie was I shouldn't know but she was like she heard it and she was just like she wasn't going to tell nobody the name because, you know, like, that's always, like, a fun thing. Like, every you, you tell somebody, you go name your son this, and they be like, well, I know a guy named this, and he's a jerk or something. <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, she just held it, and then uh, she just named me that, and everybody was just, like, shocked and just kind of fell in love with it, and that's kind of how I got it. All right, so do you have it. siblings that have royal names too? Uh, yeah, I have, like, Prince Michael, Benjamin, Queen Mariah, I think I got like one of the coolest names. I actually named my son Titus, so it's kind of a royal name. That is a great family tradition. All right, so no one's ever going to forget your first name ever. I read somewhere that you are kind of a basketball standout yourself in high school. How did you decide to go the football route instead of basketball? One of the coaches actually came to me and told me that uh, I was average in basketball. <laughs> as in like my, oh. Not my ability, but as in like my my height and weight, he was like, you know, you're six six. These NBA guys are six eight, six ten. You know, in football, you're kind of like a. He told me it's like you'll go to the league just off your height. You know, so uh, the money sounded kind of good, but uh, looking back, I mean, I probably should have stayed with the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot uh, fewer games, but uh, yeah. Yeah, 
But uh, yeah, I actually play. Uh, we talked about it the other day. Our tight end room. We kind of like our starting five. <laughs> probably up against anybody's. You guys, you guys do have a really good, a really really good starting five. You guys are all very athletic in multiple sports in that tight yeah. end group. All right. So before you got to Houston, before you got to Texas, how much did you know about the city? How much did you know about Texas? Had you ever been here? Do you have any ties? Uh, two of my uncles actually live down here. Uh, I trained down here for like three months. You did? Two, two summers ago. So I kind of been down here and it was kind of familiar. I'm still learning about it. A lady gave me a whole spiel when I was picking out furniture about the, I don't want to get it wrong, they might talk about me. Is it the the cowboy day? I don't know what it's called. They say it's a big deal around Oh, there. oh yeah. Go Texan day. No. Is that when they do all the stuff here? It's like a big, they say they sell cows and they got the the derby or the hook. Oh, the rodeo. <laughs> the rodeo, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely. Oh, this lady gave me a whole spiel how the rodeo wasn't canceled yeah. and that Largest they rodeo had a rodeo world. and stuff. She said, it's a well, big thing around here. Well, you, you know you're a Texan when you actually buy the boots and the hat. So once you get that, then you're totally a Texan. I know. I think I'm going to go find me some more to a game. Well, I want to ask you about um, your college days, because mm -hmm. in just reading about you and learning about you, the one thing that really stood out was the fact that you had just a really serious injury in college that you overcame, and that's yeah. allowed you to keep playing football. And it's not just any injury. It was threatening not only your football career, but also there was a, a chance that you might actually have your leg amputated. Is that correct? Can you tell me about your injury and for people that, that don't know about it? Well, at first, when it happened, we thought it was just, you know, a ACL, LCL, like your standard kind of knee dislocation. But then we was at Utah, and I was just like in a lot of pain, caught like a full body cramp on the ambulance. So, you know, it was a, it was a, one of those kind of shows. So they, they, instead of going back with the team, it was like, well, we'll just send them to the hospital, get them on some pain tolerance. And they kind of gave me some IVs. I was still in pain, and they started like shoot and die. Basically, I wasn't getting laid. So when the die, when they were shooting the die, basically, like they couldn't see it when it got to my knee, and uh, so I wasn't getting no blood from the leg down. So that was like first kind of scene. So the doctors came in, was like, "Yeah, we got to see you in the surgery." And I was like, "Well," so I'm like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not giving y'all not doing surgery on me. I don't know you doctors. Like these, I'm with the Utah doctors, you know. And they like, well, right. we got to do surgery. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing surgery. They told me." All the, everybody else from Oregon flew back. So I was like, well, they say that y'all just supposed to give me medicine. So the guy was like, okay, well, he sent in the doctors like, well, you won't play football again if you don't get this surgery right now. We'll have to cut off your leg. So then I was like, okay, well, give me the surgery. I'll, <laughs> and, I, guess uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get the surgery done. <laughs> yeah, so I, like, I guess I had the surgery. That's oh, okay. okay. So the surgery saved your leg, essentially, the fact that you were able to get it done. So the surgery, they basically did a vein bypass because I had slipped my artery. Mm. And when I slit the artery, I was it, it messed up the vein, basically the floor of the veins. So they basically bypassed, stitched it up. And that was a surgery to basically, I had to wait 30 days. So it was kind of like a 30 day wait to see if the blood will actually restore. And that, it's kind of hard to explain. So basically I was wait, I waited 30 days to see if the vein bypass that they did would basically flow, kind of like a Get maze. the blood flowing Super. back again through your Get leg. Get the blood flowing back through that way. So Obviously I mean, it did because you're playing football, but what was, 
How long were you out of football? Were you, I mean, were, I would imagine you'd well, be did, pretty worried that you're not going to yeah. be able to play again. So if it was November, I had that, I had another surgery after that 30 days and I had to have another surgery. So I had three surgeries in total. And then I did about, I red shirt and I, so I did about 19, uh, 19 months of rehab. And uh, I think the, the people at Oregon was fabulous. The people at the Cleveland Clinic was fabulous. My mom, my fiance now, who was I was with back then, was fabulous. And just, they kind of kept all the, I honestly didn't know the, telling the story now, you know the seriousness of it, but when it happened, I never knew the seriousness of it. Like, other than the doctor saying, I gotta get this surgery, my leg get cut off. I thought I was good after I got the surgery. Oh, I didn't I know that I was, them 30 days waiting, I didn't know that I was waiting. I thought I was fine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> my parents and everybody else knew the severity of it, but they wouldn't tell me basically. So, I mean, I was just chilling. They just like, Oh, you just got to get another surgery 30 days later. They didn't tell me then that I was like, basically like the 30 days I might've had to get my leg chopped off. Like if it didn't work, I didn't know that until after it worked, you know what I mean? So, so you had a great attitude because everyone oh, yeah. just kept very um, scary <laughs> information from you, which is, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't fault your family at all for doing that. But now that you know them, that yeah. that's how serious it was, I imagine you just have a different appreciation for playing that, you know, you wouldn't yeah, have had had you I'm not. I'm definitely grateful that. for the game. And uh, honestly, it was just like another challenge. Uh, and I love challenges. I love the competitiveness. I love people saying that you can't do something. Even with the injury, it was like, oh, you're not going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to do this. And, you know, I mean, I just love overcoming those obstacles. And it was just another challenge, honestly. And it was just fun because we basically, this, this telling the story kind of gave me chills. When we started the rehab, there was no rehab for it. Like, when you get an ACL, it's like, okay, this is what you do for an ACL. This is what you do for a shoulder. Like, with mine, we didn't know, like, Zach Miller kind of had the same injury. He called me and we kind of talked, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a playbook for this rehab. So it was just like day to day, like <laughs> we come in and we kind of like wrote the story on how to recover from it because you've never seen it, you know? So, I mean, that was fun. I actually live in Salt Lake now and I went there this summer because obviously with the COVID stuff and with everything going on, I went to that doc. I went to that physical therapy this off season because we was basically kind of not had it, didn't have an off season. Mm -hmm. And the doctor was like, "You're Farrell Brown," and it's like, "Dude, you're like a superstar out here." Like they still talk about your case. Oh or? man, everybody knew it. I walked into like the Utah like hospital, and everybody knew me. Like this is a guy. Like that, is real, about you. that like, gives me chills, but that's really scary yeah. too. That you were kind of the cutting edge for them on, on an injury that right. they had not seen before. So they use it like a big case study. They were like the doctors or like the jazz doctors knew me. It was like kind of weird, but kind of funny. Do they know, do they have a name for what it was that you had? <laughs> There's no name Horrific for it. It's injury. just the, the, the Pharaoh Brown injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So what about now? Here you are, cause you've overcome all that and, and so much in your career. And now you're here with the Houston Texans and for, for fans that don't really know you or, or don't know much about what you bring to the game. What do you bring to the game? What do you think that you offer that tight ends group? I think I bring just a lot of energy. I mean, I kind of just can do it all. When I was at Oregon, I was using special teams. My coach was a special team coach, and you couldn't start for him at tight end if you didn't play special teams. So 
I was I can play on special teams. I was used as a blocker, pass catching at Oregon. So uh, I think I'm just a guy that kind of do it can do it all, block, give you some stuff in the pass game, athletic and run after the catch, can block. I think now it's just kind of the coaches getting used to me now. So just seeing my role growing week to week, I, the run game has been we haven't got to the point where we want to be in a run game. So that's kind of been a thing that we need to get off the ground. So, I mean, you just got to be ready and be a pro and be able to step up. He certainly is going to be a guy that we watch in training camp. Farrell Brown, the athleticism, there's no doubt. The size, there's no doubt. It's just a matter of can he, amongst this group, where there's a third-round draft pick in Kali Waring, another draft pick in Brevin Jordan, another third-round draft pick in Jordan Akins, where does Farrell Brown fit in all that? I think he fits because he does some of the other things that other guys don't do extremely well or have not had the chance to do. Look, Jordan Aikens, he'll be physical. He's just not the greatest at it. You know, Brevin Jordan, who knows? I think he is a better run blocker than people think. Um, and Kyle Warren is a guy who can't put his hand in the ground and be an inline guy. But I think Farrell is a guy that gives him physicality at the tight end position. So really interesting to see what he does in training camp. Trying to figure out that tight end position is going to be very interesting uh, come late August after these three preseason games are done and training camp is over. Man, that's going to be hard, but that's a good thing. That's a great thing, and Farrah Brown's going to be part of that mix. All right, let's hear from Brandon Cooks next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans. What's up, everybody? We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access, a wet Monday edition. Yikes, man, it's been bad. Hopefully you guys have been safe and sound but I am glad to be with you on this Monday evening. Let's jump back in. We heard from Pharaoh Brown in the previous segment. Let's hear from another guy who joined the team in 2020, and that is Brandon Cooks. A little deep slant with BC13. I like to look at people's social media accounts. I feel like I get a good sense of them. And someone told <laughs> me that you are a big-time photographer, and you have a whole separate yeah. account for your photography, which was pretty impressive. All right, so it's... um. Archer 12 Eyes. Yeah. Is that mm -hmm, correct? Mm -hmm, all right. So yeah. you do landscape, portrait yeah. photography. When did all that begin? And how do you have time to keep up with I know. It? I tried I photography know. for a little bit yeah. and everything is collecting dust now. But no when doubt. did that all start? It started about two years ago. My wife and I, uh, well, first of all, my mentor, we been on, went on a big trip together one time. And uh, Eric and I, he, he introduced me to travel. He's always traveled the world his whole life. And uh, I, we traveled, but I didn't have a true camera on me. So I thought to myself, I, there's no way I can be going to these other countries without capturing some of these special moments. Um, and so I really wanted to learn. And I got introduced to Leica. And from their own, I started to get mentored by some of their photographers. Um, and I took it and ran with it. So the, the time comes really right when off season starts, because uh, that's when I can get my month of traveling in. And then my wife and I, we travel a lot ever since. So uh, that's when it all picked up. All right. So what's your, what, what do you really, what is your best pictures that you've taken so far? What's something that you really want to try your hand at when it comes to photography? I think my, my favorite picture so far ha, uh, is probably one of the shots in, uh, in New Zealand that I took. It's a, it's a landscape shot for me. We love New Zealand. We've been there multiple times. Um, so I would probably say it ha has to do with one of my pictures that happened in New Zealand. All right. So how much have you invested in photography? Like it's a lot of lenses and a lot it's of a equipment. lot of lenses. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and it, it can and it feels like the more money you spend, the better your pictures turn out. That's so. what it seemed like. But then <laughs> sometimes you can go down this rabbit hole and think you need all this all these gadgets. But in reality, you can get you one perfect lens. But it's a uh, it's not the cheapest hobby. Let's just mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. 
No, it's not. And I, I speak from personal experience, but I did, it didn't really make my, I think lessons probably would have helped me more than an expensive <laughs> lens. Um, all right. You've got some really cute dogs. I'm really into yeah. your dogs. You've got yeah, three of them. Dog. I think we may have the same breed of dog. What kind of dog do you have? I got a golden retriever and two uh, golden doodles. Okay. I have a golden doodle too. Maybe yeah. that's why yeah. I'm drawn to your dogs. No doubt. no doubt. Okay. Three dogs and a baby. Are we going to add more dogs or more babies? No, we're, we're chilling for now. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing we'll be adding is more babies, but no more dogs. No more, do <laughs> no more dogs. Mean, I have one and I'm yeah. busy. So, yeah. but I have one dog and three kids. So, okay. So you switch. So yeah. I think, yeah, I th either way it's, it's not easy. Yeah. You've done a lot of work in your past with single moms, like in Uganda, some really cool stuff, building mm -hmm. houses in Uganda. I can only assume that comes from your own personal experience. Yeah. Why is this cause so, so near and dear to your heart? Exactly what you said from my personal experience, my mom raising me and my three brothers uh, growing up, you know, my dad passed away when I was young. Um, so it always had a special place in my heart. You know, my mom has, has always been uh, my motivation. And to see everything that she did and, and grow up the way that we did, it was a no-brainer when I made it. Um, I always wanted to help out in, in that area just because uh, it has a special place in my heart. Are you from Uganda? Is your family from Uganda? No, no. It was just uh, something that I wanted to do to uh, my church that I was introduced to and um, something that we, my wife and I wanted to do. Uh, but no, I'm from California, so. <laughs> <laughs> you have no accent for being no. from Uganda. Yeah, yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I kind of want to know, I feel like whenever you make a big play on the field, it's it's exciting, it's momentum shifting. It's been a lot of fun to watch you, but do you have a favorite catch or favorite moment? Uh, that's a good question. No, not really. Not really. I mean, they've all been fun. You put me on the spot right there. You had that I long really touchdown. I was going to say, I think a 57-yard touchdown might nope. be good. My... All right, I'll take that. I don't want to put an answer. I don't want to give you your answer. No, though. yeah, I haven't thought about that, so I ain't got nothing for you there. So hopefully that moment is still yet to come. It's always a pleasure, Brandon. Thank you. I've been a fan of Brandon Cooks for a very, very long time, and I thought he was very good in 2020, looking for him to be even better in 2021. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Drew, to DP, to Pharaoh Brown, Brandon Cooks, all of you guys for listening, y'all are the best. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.